So I think for us, it was building an intelligent digital system and our sort of intelligent hub, um, bringing together things for employees. And what it's really about is employee experience. It's about changing people's lives and, and, and how they work, play, live, and learn. Uh, so it's about connecting all of the elements of people's lives, trying to be, bring a better work-life balance for people through simplification of tools and, and, and uh, applications that they use uh, throughout their lives. Hi, I'm Paul Miller, and this is Digital Workplace Impact, where we investigate and explore the ideas, practices, and people impacting the new digital worlds where we work. Digital Workplace Impact is produced by the Digital Workplace Group, and if you'd like more information about DWG, go to digitalworkplacegroup.com. So this episode is an interview which I grabbed the morning after the second Digital Workplace of the Year Awards, which took place during Digital Workplace Experience in Chicago in June. And I, in the first part of the episode, meet up with Troy Campano from Liberty Mutual and also Alan McGinty from Cisco. And Liberty Mutual and Cisco were respectively winner and runner-up in the Digital Workplace of the Year Awards for 2018. And much enjoyed my conversation with both of them and thought it'd be useful to hear what the, kind of what, what does it take to win and what makes for a winning digital workplace. The second part of the episode, because I grabbed some time a little bit later, is with Aaron Kim. And Aaron has the... Um, honour of being our second winner of the Digital Workplace Leader of the Year. He is in a senior digital workplace role at Royal Bank of Canada and I met him over coffee and chatted to Aaron um, really about what it was like to win and to be acknowledged as a leader in the industry. And it's really important to have, I think, not just organisations um, given the honour of, of winning uh, industry awards, but also to have the people behind it. So now for Troy, Alan and Aaron. So I'm delighted to be sitting here with two of the uh, winners of the Digital Workplace of the Year Award um, here in Chicago at Digital Workplace Experience. And we had the great experience last night um, of presenting the Digital Workplace of the Year Awards as well as the Digital Workplace Leader of the Year Awards. And I'm delighted to be joined by two of the proud recipients. Um, Troy Campano is a senior enterprise architect for Liberty Mutual's Digital Workplace. Troy has 18 years of experience working with corporate intranets and business applications and a strong passion working with digital workplace technologies, keenly interested in employee experience. Um, Alan McGinty is currently Senior Director of the Global Workplace Innovation Group for Cisco Systems and is working to design and deliver the next generation workplace for Cisco integrating the physical space with the advanced technologies and thought-leading policies to support a highly evolved global workforce. 
Um, so congratulations to, to both of you, Troy, for uh, Liberty Mutual becoming Digital Workplace of the Year Award, and to Alan on behalf of Cisco for becoming the runner-up in the Digital Workplace of the Year Award. So uh, it was a great night last night, and there was a lot of uh, fantastic atmosphere and somewhat quite a bit of envy in the room um, as people were thinking um, about the, the award. So the question I, I guess everybody wants to know the answer to is what do you th each think made you a winner in your category? And, and maybe, Troy, you could start. Sure. Yeah. So I think for us, it was building an intelligent digital assistant and our sort of intelligent hub, um, bringing together things for employees. And what it's really about is employee experience, right? So leveraging that intelligence, understanding sort of data about employees, the tools that they're using, uh, and be able to centralize that and really think about you know, the employee's daily life, the number of clicks it takes to get things done, and how to simplify that, how to reduce the number of clicks, how to bring transactions that otherwise they'd have to sort of go deep into an ERP system and click, 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 and really simplify that, right? So using automation, um, artificial intelligence, and be able to simplify that experience for employees. Okay. And you make it sound quite straightforward, like that's that's what you do, but you obviously have done something very special at Liberty Mutual. So the question is, I suppose, you know, what what was it that allowed you, do you think, to kind of stand out from many organizations that have got similar aspirations? Yeah. So I think, um, you know, one of the things that, that we were really focused on was sort of human-centered design, um, design thinking. So being able to talk to employees and really understand their, their pain points, right? So everything from uh, you'd hear, and this might seem a little silly, but you know, employees are spending time looking at the cafeteria menu, right? And so we'd look at the data and we'd look at the search results and understand that that was probably one of the, the top things they were searching for uh, and speaking to employees and just sort of understanding their workday. You wouldn't think just sort of without speaking to employees that that would be something you'd focus on. But if that is something that employees are doing every day and they're having to search for a cafeteria menu and go six links within search results and spend time and a little bit of frustration, if you can simplify those kind of things, you know, it really makes a, an, an impact to, uh, to employees. And so being able to take that sort of human-centered design, design thinking approach and talk to employees and really understand what they're doing their workday, what systems they're working with, and, and really looking at how to simplify that, um, taking that sort of bottom-up approach is, is mm. helpful. And, Alan, um, I mean, Cisco's been on a digital workplace journey for, well, I guess decades really, and has really been a pioneer and innovator in the space. Um, and, and what do you think it is that, that sets the Cisco digital workplace a, a apart from, let's say, most other uh, organizations? Sure. Thanks, Paul. And uh, congratulations to Troy and Liberty Mutual for taking the top spot this year. Uh, honored to be here and to accept the silver medal. So congratulations. Uh, for doing that. When I, when I think about, you know, the digital workplace experience for Cisco employees, it's all about um, unleashing the productivity of the workforce, as, as Troy said, um, making people's lives easier, uh, bringing, pushing the services to them rather than having them dig into enterprise applications to find what they want. We're in a one-click world here. We're in a world of apps. Everybody wants an app to provide just that bit of information that they want instantly. We want instant gratification. So what we're trying to do is bring those experiences through digital platforms, whether they be virtual enterprise platforms for communications and enterprise tools, 
or simple collaboration platforms, you know, driving driving connectivity between people and teams and hardware and solutions and video endpoints uh, and, and, you know, the ability to, to IM, to make a call, start an instant video call, set up a team room to collaborate, you know, with people around the world so that you can have, you know, instant communications and have that follow the sun where the work continues 24-7. And doesn't get stopped because people can't make it make it to um, to meetings. So it's about unleashing productivity, making people's lives easier, in order to you know achieve the ultimate goal of driving up engagement. Because if we can drive up employee engagement, we're going to drive up revenue and bottom line mm. results. And is that the the overall kind of philosophy? Or it's always kind of strike me that that Cisco has a sort of, in a way, a kind of vision of what the workplace ought to be because obviously unlike Liberty Mutual you you don't create digital workplaces for other organizations you're creating it for yourself um, but for Cisco not only are you doing that for Cisco but that's part of obviously Cisco's mission and I just wonder how is is there a kind of vision of what Cisco thinks the kind of world of work should should look and feel like that's that's that you've tried to kind of render inside Cisco. Sure, it's it's about changing people's lives and in, in, in how they work, play, live, and learn. Uh, so it's about connecting all of the elements of people's lives, trying to be, bring a better work-life balance for people through simplification of tools and 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 uh, applications that they use uh, throughout their lives. Whether someone said yesterday uh, in one of the talks was, you know, people really want at work what they already have at home. So it seems like, you know, the domesticated tools that are provided by service providers at home are not at scale within, you know, enterprise businesses. So Cisco's philosophy is to provide all of that technology, the entire stack, from the foundational network, you know, switches and routers and, and the, you know, embedding security and everything to application layers, APIs, and 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 ending apps that people um, can use to just do whatever they need to do throughout their lives. So um, Cisco's vision is to bring all that together and to provide that total service. And and we recognize that the, the accelerating nature of technology right now is only going to increase the rate of that acceleration. You know, Moore's Law, it's going to get 10 times faster, 1,000 times faster, 100,000 times faster, and that's, that's where we are right now. So um, in order to position uh, ourselves and provide, you know, the tools and applications that people need for the future, we need to kind of look over the horizon and see what's next. So with digital personal assistance and, and chat bots and and presence sensing applications and all those sorts of things are going to continue to, you know, unleash leash the potential that people have and take them away from tools like laptops. You know, I think laptops in five years will be, you know, a, a dinosaur because people, you know, with vo vo voice recognition technology uh, and presence sensing, we're going to be able to, to do things with very little hardware appliances and if you're inside um cisco um uh is there a particular kind of um application or service that 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 cisco has provided to people that you feel particularly kind of pleased about 
It's like, the, the, you know, some example of something that really kind of made people's lives easier that you think is just a great example. Yeah, absolutely. So we have an application that I'll be talking about in a session later today. It's not a sales pitch, but it's really a technology uh, presentation. And how I see it is a foundational IoT application that connects people to other people to platforms to smart building applications to employee experience applications. Like Troy mentioned, uh, you know, I want to know what's in the cafe today, right? So what if you walked into a building and it said, well, good morning, Troy. Welcome. Your, your phone lights up and it says, good morning, Troy. Welcome to Building 5 in Chicago. The cafeteria menu for today is this. Your first meeting is at 1030 in the Bordeaux conference room. And by the way, um, you know, the CEO of your company happens to be in town this week, so you might want to be aware of that. So based on the preferences that you set up, you have this information pushed to you. You know, here are the, here are the programs that are going on in the fitness center today. Here's the local transportation in the city. Here are the best hotel deals going on right now. And we know you love Mexican food, so here are the top three rated Mexican restaurants in the city. So it's about providing these in addition to smart and connected building applications whereby you may walk into a meeting room, that room recognizes you, the lighting goes to cool white 50% intensity because that's your preference, the temperature goes to 68 degrees Fahrenheit, and the video endpoint on the wall lights up and says, hello, Troy. And you're, you're there. And I, and I can hear, Troy, the, the look of longing in your eyes when you're, not for the Mexican food, but perhaps for that, but a bit early for that, um, but, for, but for that kind of, um, I suppose, intuitive experience where the, the technology is relieving stress, pressure from us. Right. And that's really, I mean, that's, that's where we're headed, and that's, that's really the future, right, is, is using that data using that sort of intelligence about buildings, about rooms, about the employee, much more than just, you know, there's a transaction and it needs to be assigned to employee, you know, leveraging preferences, leveraging context, your physical location, and be able to bring that into a simplified experience, right? And so that's what that's what's really all about is leveraging that technology to get to that simplified employee experience so that it's just like, wow, you know, this room knows who I am and I all I did was walk in. And, and do you have a particular example from the Liberty Mutual story that you feel really proud about? We, we delivered this for our for our people and it really made a, a difference. Yeah, so I think the, um, as I was speaking before about sort of the de design thinking, the bottom-up understanding from employees what they want versus us just sort of assuming, you know, oh, well, everybody wants this. You know, we were un able to understand that employees wanted faster access to their time off, right, their vacation information. They wanted faster access to their pay slip without having to sort of click through and find links to different systems. And like a lot of companies, we have many, many, many different systems that, that employees are using that are for very pointed solutions. So our time management system is separate from our other core HR systems. So being able to talk to employees and understand, you know, this is what they want access to, and then being able to bring that into a centralized place for them um, is really a delighter for them. And then even even just, you know, uh, little things, right? So these little kind of micro um, experience things where, uh, you know, going through testing, user testing 
with employees and and just using things like like a palm tree in their report for um, their vacation time, right? Just like these little things that you wouldn't you really add to the experience. Mm. Yeah, and it is often the little things as well, and particularly things that are maybe not even directly related to somebody's job. So I, I interviewed um, the head of digital experience for Heathrow Airport on the podcast, and and he was talking, and I'd recommend that episode with with Neil Barner, and he was talking about the guys who drive down the runway. At night, fixing little snags in the runway. That's, that's their job. And so the, he went and followed them, kind of, uh, and actually what they really wanted to do was the ability to change shifts with their colleagues. So that, you know, the ability to kind of move things around because you, your kids are doing something or your parents or whatever. And, and so they've now, the, the, uh, providing that for people, it's, it's, it's things that really make a, a small but important difference in people's day-to-day um, experience. I was talking to an organization um, here to, uh, at the conference, and, and they were looking at their uh, ability to get into the buildings with, the, with, with digital ID you know, and, and piloting that. At the moment, you can't do that. And so if you, have, if you forget your physical ID, you have to wait for your manager to come to sign you in the building you come at 7:30 they come at quarter to 9 so it's 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 things like that that make such a difference and i just wonder alan what would you say you've learned from your um that your digital from your digital workplace journey that can help other people who want to enter these awards want to progress what what are the kind of the kind of key lessons do you feel for for them well, i think one of the one of the primary key lessons and really kind of foundational things you need to focus on and troy just mentioned a little while ago is that you need to be designing solutions that truly meet the needs of your end users or your customer base Rather than thinking we're the experts and wow, this is really cool. Let's design this shiny tool and everyone's going to love it and then nobody uses it. So the first step is to truly understand what people want, then design around that. Um, also don't, you know, don't try to, you know, unleash, you know, the Microsoft Word or Microsoft Excel platform on day one. You know, these are platforms that have incredible you know, uh, incredible capabilities, but re- the reality is people only use about 3% of those capabilities 99% of the time. So envision a product in, in, in a method of, you know, agile and design thinking and agile development. Iterate the platform. Don't try to blast some monumental platform out on day one and then deal with all the issues come out. F- prioritize the elements of what you're trying to deliver and deliver stage one while you're planning stage two, you know, deliver stage two, stage three, and build it along the way rather than, you know, drop a bomb and, and then, then have everybody running around trying to fix everything that, that turns up. So uh, those are a couple of lessons there. The other lesson is um, you really need to find a way to, you know, make it um, – financially feasible for the company, especially in large organizations. Smaller, agile companies and startups can do do things in an instant. But when you're in a large company and you're competing for capital and operating expenses and all of that, um, you need to really build a biz- solid business case 
that makes sense. And if you can't do that, it probably doesn't make sense and to do it. Man- how have you managed to do that? Because I know that you know you you articulate the the kind of financial value that this that these investments have brought. Right. So um, there there are financial value to incremental productivity gains through through uh, simplified and accelerated technology applications. So. There are ways that you can, you can measure that. For instance, when we look at all of our collaboration technology, whether it's enterprise or hardware integration of those tools that our employees use around the world, our employees tell us on average that they save an hour a day because of the ease of technology that they have and how it enables, enables their work. And that, so that cranks up to the tune of $806 million a year in incremental productivity. So you, you walk into a, you, into a conference room, the room recognizes you. The, the device lights up. You hit Control F12. Your screen is on there. You're sharing with it with people around the world. You're not searching for Do I have the right dongle? Where's the remote for the projector? Is the battery you know dead? Is, is there a burned out bulb in the projector? What source code do I put in? And by the time you get started, you're 20 minutes into the meeting, right? And you've lost and you've lost the will to live. And with our capabilities, you don't plug into anything. You walk in, it's high-speed, high-density, wireless everywhere. We don't plug into network connections. So that's incremental productivity. Then you look at employee engagement and how does the, do these tools or platforms you know, increase engagement. It's about making people feel good. You know how frustrated it is, frustrating it is to, to log on to some technology tool and you can't get what you want, Right. You're like, oh, I lost my network connection, this or that, or i got to drill here, that's the wrong thing. Um, it's, it's one or two clicks and you have what you want. So that makes people feel good. When you make them feel good, engagement goes up. And, and, and Troy, at Liberty Mutual, I mean, how have you um, evidenced the return on the investment that you, you've clearly put into the digital workplace? Sure, yeah. So, I mean, it's, for us, it was, it's... it's it's pretty simple to calculate. So even beyond just sort of the more qualitative feedback from employees that, you know, and I was um, speaking yesterday a bit to some folks, you know, when we did sentiment analysis on our internal social network about what, what employees thought, the number one word was love. Like, I love this. This saves me time. Wow. So there's, there's feedback like that. But even beyond that, you know, one of the things that we've been doing is building sort of micro-applications and bringing notifications from different tools right into the, the intranet. And so when we're able to, say, do a, just a simple stopwatch test, and, and if you were to go to our time management system and you know, to get there and, and see your vacation time, it'd be something like go to the intranet, find the link to the time management system, uh, click on reports, click on FTO report, flexible time off, uh, you have to click another FTO link for some reason and then put in some report parameters like date ranges that you want to run the report, uh, choose the output format, right? To look, is it PDF? Is it HTML? And then actually run the report, right? And so these are pretty common things in a lot of these, you know, very large backend systems. And so just doing a simple stopwatch test and sort of understand it takes a minute to do that um, and it's, you know, X number of clicks and taking that experience and making it one click on the internet. Um, so we have our digital assistant as a toolbar on our internet on the left side. So you click about me and you instantly see your vacation time, right? So being able to do that and understanding, you know, it takes sort of the average cost of the salary of an employee. You can do some simple math. And for every one of those transactions, you know, we can articulate the, the productivity savings. 
And what would you say you've learned? And if you're, you know, if people are looking at your success and and what you've achieved, what what are the lessons learned? What for for you? Yeah. So I'd have to agree. Iteration is probably the you know, small increments, not boiling the ocean, not doing sort of a big bang project all at once is, is, is definitely a successful approach because you're, you're testing every step of the way with employees, this is working or this isn't working, right? As opposed to going sort of a year or two down the line, do that big bang, and I realize nobody uses it, right? And so doing those incremental approaches um, definitely save you in the, in the long run and help to fine tune the solution that you're building to make sure that it's meeting the needs of, of the employee. Yeah. And I mean, one of the things that people often complain about and the, the um, state of the digital workplace survey shows this is that people don't get the real level of leadership endorsement and commitment behind these programs. Clearly, in Cisco and Liberty Mutual, you have. So, so why, why, why do leaders in other organizations not really take it as, as seriously? I mean, when, when I'm listening to what you're both saying, it's a completely compelling uh, case. But what, what, what's, the, what's the missing bit for, for other organizations? Yeah, I think the... And, um, and you were speaking about this earlier, that sort of that tie between employee engagement, employee experience, and actual, you know, return, um, uh, actual revenue, right? That there's a clear link. There's, there's a bunch of different studies from organizations around, you know, engaged employees obviously provide better customer experience, right? And so there's a real impact to the bottom line. And so I think helping to sort of educate other folks within your company about what that, that link is, uh, is helpful. Mm, yeah. And, um, what would you say, um, Alan, are the pitfalls to watch out for when, when trying to go on the, uh, and achieve success in the digital workplace journey? What, what are the kind of, um, uh, uh, kind of holes in the road that you can fall into? Well, what, one of the ro- holes you could fall into in the past, but I think we're, we're overcoming it now. We're in a, cloud, we're in a cloud-based world now. Um, so your methodology should always be going toward cloud-based applications. On-premise applications will end up being a burden and a boat anchor around your neck at some point in the future, and we, we've seen that happen. So uh, it's important to go cloud-based. Another another um, hole to try to avoid is customization, and again, sticking with simplification and not customizing, over-customizing applications. Uh, if there are market-based apps that you can, you can tap into, take advantage of those. Take advantage of the standard, you know, kind of out of the, out of the silicon application rather than customizing it because we're different. And, you know, we've seen, we've seen in the past, you know, the history of software development where companies like PeopleSoft and, and others in the past were, you know, they sold a ton of software, hyper-customized it, and then every time they, they had to do, you know, there was a, the new revision was released, customers would have to go back and pay all that money again to re-establish all those customization links and everything. So um, keep it simple. Take advantage of, of market-based apps where you can and, and use them as plug-ons and add-ons um, to your needs. So that, uh, yeah, avoid customization. Avoid on-premise 
Yeah, and I think one of the things coming through, and I think this echoes, you know, my own experience with organisations, is is these things are not projects; they're they're ongoing programmes. They're a service into the organisation. So, you know, this isn't something that 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 ends, and it has to be a steady, persistent set of improvements. Because if your organisations sort of rest on your laurels and sometimes it does happen for organizations of course it won't happen for you but but you know then it's quite easy to lose that progress and momentum and and troy are there any particular um uh, kind of pitfalls you think people need to avoid and and uh, anything that you did in liberty mutual that you wish you'd done differently yeah i mean i think um and this is sort of related to both iteration and um, sort of human-centered design and, and design thinking, but that that you know, look for the fastest path to feedback, right? And so how quickly can you go from an idea and maybe not build the whole thing, right? You build an MVP, build a smaller version of what you want and get that out and make that available to some employees. You know, it doesn't need to be a launch company-wide. Find the people that are really interested um, in what you're doing and, and some of the capabilities, those early adopters, right? Find them, build a small version, and then let them use it. Because even if even if you start with wireframes and get out there and, and share it, you're going to commonly get this, yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, that'd be awesome, right? And like, yeah. And then they actually use the product and like, well, I'm not really using it as much as I thought I would. And so there's no real, I mean, the using wireframes and getting feedback are, are, are useful, right? It's definitely an indicator. If you're getting, no, I wouldn't use that, then you know you're going in the wrong direction. You, know, you haven't spent a lot of money. But still getting to that... Um, place where you're building small things, getting them out there in the hands of real employees um, is a good indicator of whether you're on the, the right path. So what are you planning next? Success requires, you know, yet more effort. And, and what, what, are the, what are the areas you're going to be focusing on? Yeah, so I think there's sort of two areas we're pretty excited about. One is we've been asked by other companies to leverage sort of what we've done at, at Liberty Mutual. So we're sort of setting things up in a way that let other companies um, use the digital assistant in the future. So we're just trying that out now with, uh, with a few different companies. So you're and, commercializing something you created? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and so that helps also get more feedback, right? Wow. So now instead of just 50,000 employees, it's you know some number of employees across different organizations. Um, so we're pretty excited about that. And then the other piece is that sort of consumer experience that Alan was talking about and sort of understanding how that works and how that comes into the workplace. So we've been doing uh, integrations with Amazon Alexa and, and Google Assistant so that you could say things like, what's on the cafeteria menu? When you're actually planning out, should I pack a lunch? Or uh, information about your upcoming trip, right? So things that when you're sort of at home and you're planning your day, being able to understand, um, you know, what's going on in the day, understand your calendar, reschedule a meeting, and being able to do this, some of those things through through voice. Yeah, and human beings kind of love convenience, don't they? We're, we're sort of if if something can be done more simply, could save us hassle. It's it's kind of, uh, and I can't see that 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 changing. You know, there's always those frustrations. And and um, what's the um, in a particular focus areas at Cisco that 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 you're particularly excited about two areas uh you know the personal digital assistant um uh, is a big one for a couple of different reasons for instance i have a i have a digital assistant bot named jimmy you know that that i invite to my meetings Mm. uh and i can be in a meeting and i can say jimmy you know send the agenda out to all the the participants that Mm -hmm. i sent you earlier jimmy set up a meeting next tuesday for the same time and also invite paul miller and troy to that meeting 
or Jimmy, print out three copies of this document at the nearest printer, uh, you know, and automating these things um, and also taking it to the employee experience part where you have these, you know, devices in key areas like maybe restrooms in a conference area where, you know, tell me if you have a problem, right? So you can walk out, uh, yeah, the... You know, the third sink on the left is blocked up. And you walk out, it automatically generates a, a work ticket, pages a maintenance person to mm. come and fix that. So the personal digital assistants for services and for individual use um, are well in development. Uh, the other thing that I'm really excited about is, is power over Ethernet technology for building systems. So, um, for instance, the, the lighting applications where... And power over Ethernet lighting is going to be one of the biggest transformational changes in the construction and real estate industry in years. What it does is, it, you know, for a new build, it's, you know, 30% lower cost than traditional lighting. You're not putting in panel boards, switching, switching panels, uh, distribution panels, relay panels, you know, running conduit and pulling wire through conduit with very expensive union labor. To do this, you're, you're laying lighting into a grid and you're plugging a CAT6 cable into it, which is going to a network switch, which then gives you the ultimate, cap- you know, unlimited capabilities of controlling that device and extracting data from it. Same thing with HVAC going to individual... What's HVAC? Heating, ventilating, air conditioning. Okay. So going to individual zones um, and being able to control those and be able being able to do things like sense your presence, go to your preference for temperature. So when you think about this power over Ethernet platform controlling lighting, HVAC, security appliances, elevators, site irrigation, parking lot uh, applications, smart parking, all of these things becomes this foundation for delivering a whole new set of services to people based on the preferences so that it just happens when they appear. So the, the missing link for this right now is there's not a market-based software platform that can kind of provide that single pane of glass to control all these disparate systems. Whoever comes in, Philips and, and some other companies are, are trying to develop that, that platform now, but whoever... When, once that platform gets developed, that's going to be a game changer, which is going to unleash incredible innovation. So I'm really excited about that. And we're, we're playing with that in different uh, hmm. facilities around the world yeah. right now. And do you think that, you know, because we've been talking about this sort of next iteration of, of what we'd call audio-video conferencing, unified communications, for quite a long time. And and it that feels to me when we could really create a a remote meeting that that has the texture and atmosphere you know we're we're three sitting here in a room this is sort of as good as it gets and when when we get something that feels like that in in a way that's kind of uh, common enough for it to be used that feels like it's going to be really significant i mean is that something that the liberty mutuals expecting hoping for or yeah i mean if you've seen some of the demos from microsoft's hololens where it's almost like um you know three-dimensional uh like telepresence right 
Um, so, you know, we use telepresence today quite a bit. And so to be able to bring that and have that be three-dimensional, once that's out there and it's working well and whichever company kind of gets to that point so that it feels like we're in the same room, you know, the audio direction is coming from where you'd see somebody and it's, it's beginning to feel like we're together, I think that's going to be very powerful. How does winning this award at Liberty Mutual help you, Troy? Yeah, so I think for us, it's, it, it really confirms that we've been on the right path. So, you know, starting in 2013 with a, with a digital assistant, there really wasn't a lot out there at the time. Um, there weren't, you know, originally one of the original code names for our platform was, was Echo, which stood for uh, Employee Content History and Online. And then, and then Amazon later came in and, you know, used the Amazon Echo. And so we've changed the name quite a few times. But, um, you know, it was really the early days and it was, it was different, right? It wasn't, it's a digital assistant and people didn't really know what that was at the time. And so integrating that into the internet was kind of this, it was a little bit of an out there concept. And so the fact that, um, you know, we've been heading in that direction. We've been investing a lot in that, in that simplification. And now there's others out there that are also doing similar things. It's sort of a, it's a confirmation um, that we've been headed in the right path. And Alan, from a Cisco point of view, how does this award help you? Well, after I get past the initial questions of how could you let Liberty Mutual beat you, <laughs> you know, we move on. It's, it's, it's kind of a, it's a little feather in our cap. It's recognition. It's confirmation that we're headed in the right direction. Um, we are, you know, um, you know, moving ahead with kind of digital experience people. We now have a director of, of digital experience that brought on board who actually I collaborated with on the uh, submission. Uh, so really excited about that and um, continuing to just improve the experience, maple, make people feel good, um, make people make engagement levels go up and, and drive more success for the business. So, the, you know, our technology roadmap is full. There's lots of stuff coming, and, and we're excited about continuing down that road. Great. Well, thank you to both of you. Thanks so much. Troy, thank you um, for joining us today, and congratulations again. Um, hope your head's not too sore this morning, and and thank you so much, Alan, and congratulations to Cisco. Thank you for having us. As a as a uh, a late addition to the uh, podcast, the awards podcast. I'm delighted now to be sitting with Aaron Kim from Royal Bank of Canada. And uh, Aaron was the winner of the Digital Workplace of the Year Leader Award 2018. And congratulations to you, Aaron, for, for winning that. Um, just tell me, uh, because there was a lot of excitement last night when you're you know, you're the only second, the second person to win the Leader Award. Just tell people what your role is at the Royal Bank of Canada. Uh, first of all, thank you very much for uh, the honor of receiving the award. Um, my role at uh, RBC is I own the portfolio called Enterprise Collaboration that uh, basically has the social um, platforms. We actually have both Jive and we're piloting uh, Workplace by Facebook. And we have a number of other um, com- complementary services like we have a survey tool called sample social we have ideation uh, platforms we have um, we're starting to do the slido um, um, 
deployment. Slide is basically for events, uh, management and questions. And, uh, and we have, um, a pilot running for social learning, for example. Essentially, we believe that uh, much of the learning happens in teams as opposed to official learning management systems. So these are pretty much our main portfolio. Uh, soon we're going to be adding uh, mobility applications and uh, uh, digital employee experience applications as well. Mm. And what is it, what's your sort of philosophy when you're approaching something like the digital workplace? Because... Having won th- this this award, uh, I, and I know the judges were very impressed with the the rounded nature of your approach. But what, do you have sort of specific kind of techniques or approaches or strategies that you use? Well, uh, I think uh, the most uh, prevalent strategy is actually listening to people. Uh, conference like this one I mentioned yesterday, uh, and that's actually true. Uh, even though it's an individual award, is an award that actually, uh, uh, based on what my own team did there, my organization did, but a lot of it is about other people doing similar work. When I come to conference like this one, I learn a lot. Essentially, it's not, um, uh, it's the result of understanding other experiences, other, um, uh, options that we have, how other people went through their journey. Each journey is different, but uh, I think lessons learned are very valuable for all of us. I think this is the number one thing, uh, uh, how to learn from other people that are doing similar things. Uh, also is the ability to adjust. We tried many th- different ways of driving adoption, driving uh, business value. Uh, some of them failed. Uh, what they, we, I tried to borrow the marketing say that um, half of your efforts are wasted. We don't know which half. And happens to us as well, especially at the beginning. There are a lot of things that we thought were going to work very well, and they didn't, and others that we never expected that worked very well. A uh, typical example that I always mention is the API. Um, uh, we're using a platform called Jive, and they have uh, APIs that we decide to open to other people to say, maybe we want to develop applications using our data. And we thought maybe, I don't know, a couple of them we will use. Uh, I don't think anything is used more in our platform today than the APIs. We have 60 million API calls to our social platform every wow. month wow. today. And we never expect to have that level of uh, uh, volumes there. Mm. Yeah, and it, it sounds like this is a kind of theme that I've noticed um, with the, the winner last year, which was Kevin Cassidy uh, at that time with Bank of New York Mellon and and other people I think about. And it's it's leaders who don't, they think, but they but they adapt. This seems to be a really important characteristic, not to be too attached to a certain technology or too attached to a certain way of doing it. Is is that that sounds like your part of your philosophy? Yeah, I do believe in one thing. Uh, things that made us successful so far won't make us successful necessarily going forward. Uh, so we do believe that if we stop now and say this is it. Uh, a year from now, two years from now, nobody's going to be there anymore because things change. So we're experimenting with things like chatbots. Uh, we're experimenting with uh, voice and other things because we do believe that uh, uh, your experience in your consumer life is going to influence a lot of what you expect from the workplace. So uh, social was very hot some many years ago, but now you have digital assistants. You have bots doing... Uh, 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 work that is repetitive, for example. So we do believe that we have to keep advancing this, otherwise uh, 
everything that you obtained so far may disappear very soon. Mm. And what's your take? I mean, there's so much talk about AI in the workplace and machine learning, intelligence, and so on. What's how do you approach a um, an evolving and emerging technology like that? Uh, we actually had an approach that actually initially failed. Uh, two years ago, we tried to develop. Uh, a chatbot for help and support and you try to do completely by ourselves essentially we had all these brilliant developers and we had these uh, people uh, learning machine learning how to train the machine with the data that you had and you create this bot and when you put the bot to work we found that the bot was able to answer only about 10% of the questions. Right. I said, it's almost like a useless bot, right? Mm. Uh, uh, but then what you find is this. I don't need to develop the whole thing. Uh, so we are partnering with uh, other vendors that provide the brains of the bot. So essentially what you do is we offer the input to train the bot and we uh, monitor what the bot is doing and try to find what questions are not being answered. And then uh, we improve the bot over time. This is a much better solution. What we find is that now probably... We are in the 70% mark, more or less, of saying from the questions being asked to the bot, how many they are able to answer. So uh, we went from do it all yourself to, say, partner with others who actually managed to master that skill or that capability. And that was so far being uh, better in terms of generating good results. Mm. And what's interesting in what you're saying is also that you're, you're talking about something that didn't work. You're talking about learning from what didn't work not giving up, necess- uh, you know, and then iterating. And, and do you think that's part of what will happen with our relationship with AI in the workplace, that it'll be a lot more of this sort of to and fro between us and the intelligence um, as we kind of human beings work with this new technology? Well, one thing that you did right with that uh, uh, bot that was failing answering the questions was, uh, I don't know if we're one of the first organizations to do that, but essentially uh, the bot doing help and support in the org chart was reporting to the person doing help and support. Uh, uh, two weeks ago, actually, I had my, uh, my team had an offsite. Uh, we do that uh, twice a year. Uh, and for the first time, we brought uh, Alexa in to the meeting. So, as we were running our exercise in the off-site, we would say, Alexa, set the timer to this much, or saying, put this in our to-do list. And essentially, uh, I found interesting how people, in the course of the day, they moved from saying, I'm not sure going to talk to a machine in an office situation. And at the end of the, day, of the day, they were actually saying, Alexa, tell us a joke during the breaks, or play that song. So uh, I do believe that uh, over time, you're going to feel much more comfortable having an organization that's made of full-time employees, occasional employees, and actually a number of uh, bots. Uh, it looks very artificial today, but I think that's the future of work. Yeah, well, I don't know. Um, um, uh, that's very gratifying to hear because that's what um, I was thinking and talking about at the beginning of the conference, this idea of the, the, the employee base, this fluid emerging group, and then this intelligence in the system. And, and it feels to me like a very fresh quite exciting environment um, how do you develop as a leader how do you approach the people who are in your team what are your sort of lessons for people listening uh, I think the major part to understand is uh, we talk a lot about uh, having software machines and uh, artificial intelligence helping to drive productivity I think we have to think about two vectors there the, product, the productivity vector and the humanity vector it's very important to understand uh, that uh, as we add these um, um, 
technologies to the workplace, you understand how they impact people as well. Because some people may feel, wow, I used to do that. And the other thing, uh, the machine is doing that now. It's very important to uh, not only say that we're uh, eliminating the chore kind of work to move to more high-level work, but actually practice that. And we have to make sure that people who used to answer common questions, now they are actually uh, helping us to do consulting work with other business. For example, that you need a person with the back and forth that the machine won't be able to do. So uh, it's very important to not only think about the machine side, but the, yeah. the people side of it. Right. Well, congratulations again, Aaron. Um, fantastic award and congratulations for 2018 on being the Digital Workplace Leader of the Year. Thank you very much. It has been an honor and, uh, and it has been very humbling as well. You've been listening to Digital Workplace Impact, produced by the Digital Workplace Group, a strategic partner and boutique consultancy supporting more than 100 leading businesses and public institutions to advance their intranets and broader digital workplaces through benchmarking, research and practitioner expertise. For more information, visit digitalworkplacegroup.com. And if you'd like to listen to previous episodes of the show, go to digitalworkplacegroup.com forward slash DWG underscore podcast. This is Paul Miller wishing you well until next time.